This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, episode 33. Everyone talks about culture, just do they match your culture? But you just have to keep in mind, you want to hire for culture and train for skill. And that's where the mentorship comes into play. You know, you, you have to have a system that you know you can equip them with what they need if they can bring the intangibles to the table. This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, where we talk to strength and conditioning coaches about what you really need to know, but probably didn't learn in school. There's strength and conditioning, and then there's everything else. Welcome to the NSCA's Coaching Podcast. I'm Scott Caulfield. With me today, Stephen Rassel, Associate AD and Head Strength and Conditioning Coach at Weber International. Coach, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Scott. And we are here at the tail end of the uh, Coaches Conference in Charlotte, North Carolina. How was the conference for you? I thought it was great, despite the cold weather from Florida coming up for <laughs> right, me. Right. Uh, that was is an, another good conference. Well done by the NSCA. Always, always great to to catch back up with coaches, hear some good speakers, um, mingle with everybody. You know, with the involvement with the special interest groups on Facebook over the past several years, you get to know so many people virtually and you know the names more than you know the faces sometimes and so you get to these conferences you get a chance to put the face with the names and it's it's good yeah that's been a really really cool kind of new level um with the facebook group how uh how much do you think that um that social media is allowing us to kind of better engage with people because I know you do a really good job with your social media and connecting with coaches and I I think uh John Garish had a great talk on that by the way here at the at the conference for anybody listening definitely try to check out uh, his stuff reach out to him because he's got an interesting viewpoint that so many people get afraid of social media because of the the bad that it can cause and the havoc it can wreak um but and I I think uh Coach Donnell Boucher at the Citadel was talking about this on the SIG as well. We had a thread one time on social media, and it's 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 a tool. It's a valuable tool. It's a it's a method, a way to share information. And yeah, it can be used the wrong way, but uh, you shouldn't be afraid of it. And I think specifically with the NSCA, with the Facebook groups that have that have come up, uh, I know a lot of coaches now that um, I'm I'm recommending coaches through my program that. Uh, that some of them are fading away from Facebook a lot of times. The main reason to get Facebook a lot of times professionally is to join those groups because of how valuable they are. And, you know, the other social media outlets and channels too, they all bring their, their, their set venues and and positives with that too but specifically with those special interest groups it's been great to just share information you can search the thread if you're going through something as a coach and we've had the sig for several years now and you have a question you just type it in the search key and you're just bombarded with four or five threads of 30 or 40 comments from coaches all over the all over the country so yeah. it's great yeah there's been some really good conversations in that especially this year really um yeah and you you spoke at the conference. You talked about staff mentorship and some of the stuff you do. Give us kind of a synopsis or some key points of what you were talking about here. Sure. Uh, I've been fortunate to be able to speak a couple times, and they're very similar topics. I think a couple years ago I spoke about kind of creating and developing uh, your department and, and how to grow and and branch out and 
and really piece together and build from the ground up, talking to upper management, whether it's starting a program from scratch, whether it's advancing your program after you have it somewhat established. And this was kind of like a continuation of that, but specifically on the staffing side, staff mentorship, our everyday role in advancing the profession. So just the title itself, taking the ownership, all of us, and pouring into our staff. Uh, even though we might not be evaluated to that on a, on a heavy degree on a day-to-day basis from our superiors, we're evaluated a lot on our performance in terms of the weight room or in terms of training, in terms of injuries, in terms of uh, how we relate with the teams themselves. But with the staffing, that can get overlooked. And I think specifically with the industry, it's it's huge. It's a, it's a definite need. And I've seen it over the years, having hundreds and hundreds of young coaches apply for our positions. And it gets, it gets depressing sometimes seeing people that have had multiple years of experience or internships or education, but it still hasn't clicked. It's still, they still haven't had somebody really connect with them yet. And that's not a knock in any person. That's just, that's the nature of any, I think any industry, you can have so many interactions, but not true mentorship. Yeah. And I've, I actually talked to someone the other day and they've been in the coaching, they seem to have been coaching for a while or trying. And they were saying, you know, they're frustrated because they hadn't been able to get a full-time job yet. And it made me wonder, yeah, you know, what's, what steps have they been taking or what they had been doing? Um, so maybe what do you, yeah, what are you looking for when you're, um, even looking for someone to be, you know, just come in at the initial entry level as an intern, what, mm-hmm. what are the what are the things you're looking for prerequisites in those people? Yeah, I got a chance to talk for a good 15 minutes on our staff hiring process specifically, and I think if you boil it down, we we have to have two main boxes checked off for us before we dive too deep into what they can offer specialization wise, even at the intern level, it's culture and it's growth gauge. Those are the two factors that I've narrowed it down to the most. Everyone talks about culture, just do they match your culture? But you just have to keep in mind, you want to hire for culture and train for skill. And that's where the mentorship comes into play. You know, you, you have to have a system that you know, you can equip them with what they need. If they can bring the intangibles to the table, they've got to be a self-starter. They've got to, they have to be someone that doesn't need to plug in. They have their own battery pack. They don't need to plug into another power source constantly and that that helps build you up Uh, and then obviously you you read stuff like harvard business review and different things and they teach you these aspects of how to surround yourself with a staff that complements things you don't have but if you have the culture and and the growth gauge which growth gauge basically meaning that they they can put their nose to the grindstone and improve in any area that the pride is not in the way or that they don't have tunnel vision or that they just really have the awareness and ability to realize and, and to admit and say, I need to grow in this area and to put the, the time in to do it. Yeah. And it's, it's not an easy thing. It's, right. it's really not. I've, I've had so many coaches that I thought were going to be great in the position and brought them in. And because I didn't pay attention to their, their potential growth gauge, yeah. they just, they flopped because they, you know, four months later, they're still not really any different. Yeah. And they have another coach that started way behind them that's now past them in that same four months. And so we do things in our interview process to kind of test the, both of those things out for sure. No, that's cool. And yeah, so let's dive into that a little. You have created, you know, basically from, you know, maybe talk about first how you got involved at Weber yourself, because now you've grown this program into having 
full-time year-long positions and assistants and you know multiple interns and mm-hmm. you've got a huge not a huge staff but you have pretty good sized staff for uh you know a smaller school and you started out as a one-man show right yeah <laughs> it's been a path and uh, and i don't want to bore anybody listening with with uh you know my background and all that kind of stuff because there's if you're interested in it there's plenty of other resources out there with that but i, I like to share this just because one thing i've become very passionate about along the same lines of what I spoke about yesterday is equipping coaches with that mindset of fighting for things, of, of pushing for things with your staff, with your department, with everything. And there's, there's a lot of talk about, you know, people getting frustrated about our industry with certain things. And I agree with all that stuff. Um, and, and, but one thing we have to make sure we keep in the forefront of our mind as coaches is we've got to take that ownership right where we're at and keep fighting and scrapping and, and scratching and clawing and find ways to keep pushing and, and getting where we're at. So at Weber, when I started, I got the nod to take to come in at, 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 for two years, basically work, work for free. Uh, I, you have two years to prove this is a full-time necessity. And at the end of that term, we'll see how it goes. And so I left a nice position in pro baseball to take that role on just something inside of me wanted to do that. And, uh, and getting that accomplished at the end of the two years and having so many people that, that were able to help get to that point taught me so much. And then getting that step and then having a vision plan and being able to broadcast your expansion plan over the next several years. And then having a million roadblocks every step of the way, but finding a way to overcome that has taught me so much in dealing with upper management. And, you know, the last time I got to speak two years ago, that was the exact conversation was all the, all the stuff that I learned through that process. And I've been able to help so many coaches since then through that time. And, and then getting to the point where you can expand to your staff. So we've got several full-time coaches. We've got paid interns. We've got graduate assistants. We've got um, actual unpaid interns. We've got volunteer people that shadow. We've got five or six tiers of positions at a small NAIA college. Yeah. And so I don't say that to brag about anything for me. I say that to inspire other coaches that if you look at what we have and say that I could never have that where I'm at, if you if you could see what hurdles we've had to go through to get where we're at, the, the short-term sacrifices for the long-term gain strategies that we've had to implement and the hats I've had to wear to get to where we're doing, you just have to keep thinking outside the box. And that's what I love to do if you're listening to this and you, you have those thoughts reach out. I love brainstorming with people because then you, all of a sudden the blinders come off and there's so many smarter people than me that I've gotten a chance to talk with that are just, then the ideas really start flowing. And, and again, with what I spoke about yesterday with staff mentorship, that was my biggest challenge to everybody in the audience is challenge yourself and reach out and connect because that brainstorming approach and us starting to link up and work together, even though we're at different places in different situations, it starts to get you in a different place mentally. And and these little strategies here and there can help build that momentum. Yeah. And, and especially as I'm starting to dabble into the associate AD world, I'm starting to get even more strategies and tactics along those lines and learning so much more with that too. Yeah. No, and one of the, in the high school panel they had yesterday, they had a, a athletic director, administrator on the panel too. And she was saying, you know, if, if you were a strength coach out there, you know, looking to try and basically advocate for yourself and whatnot, and you come to her, she was like, well, you know, when you come to me, bring 
plans with you, bring ideas mm-hmm. because don't come to me and just tell me about problems. You know, come Absolutely. to me with solutions and then we'll brainstorm together about that. Absolutely. Know. You have to have the prep work done and you have to excite people with your vision. Yeah. They, they've got to be, and that's a, a major strategy. They've got to be so excited just to be around you. Yeah. And then you, you throw that at them. You're like, you're excited talking to me. Imagine if you allowed me to just have this and right, this. Right. Give me 20% capacity of my vision and watch me work. Yeah, yeah. And and people just, that fires people up, especially when you, you're betting on yourself. And that's the safest bet you can make because you know what you're capable of doing. Yeah. I mean, it's clear that your administration is supportive of uh, what you guys do. Um, you know, how were, what were some of the things maybe that you were able to show them or talk to them about that really kind of made them start clicking and thinking, you know what? Yeah, we could, we definitely need to promote them to an associate AD level. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, I've talked to so many coaches that just have different hats they wear and you get to talking about how that happened. And almost every single time it was, yeah, I was doing this and locking in on just this one thing that I had in front of me or these two things and I was doing everything as hard as I could and, and grinding it out and doing doing a great job with this, this, and this. And then this other problem popped up somewhere else that was somewhat related to it but not quite and no one else was addressing that problem. And so I took that upon myself to attack that problem, address it, did really well with it. Other people noticed that and said, hey, why don't you try to do this, this, and this? I mean, in a lot of ways, that's some of the reasons that we've even connected and, and with Scott Douglas and over yeah. the years connecting with several people in the industry, just being passionate about a common theme or a common problem, problem-based, problem-solving-based approach. And, yeah. and, and you have to be careful with that because you can't be a yes man and take on everything because right. then you wear right. too many hats. And if, if any of my former staffs listen to this, they'll smile at that because <laughs> that's, a, that's an art, that's a, de- a delicate balance. You yeah. say yes to one thing, you're saying no to another, whether you realize it or not. So you have to be very cautious of that. But I think specifically you have to make sure you look at the things that are right in front of you and attack that as as much as you can and when those other doors start to open up you realize how much of a role you can play but you also i see a lot of people hesitate with that because it's a it's a sacrifice it takes time i've had to wear other hats where i'm at to, to accomplish getting another staff member on board. I had to take on another job and my bargaining chip was, okay, I'll do this, but I need extra help to cover the hours that I can't cover anymore. And then in taking that role, the, the reason I did it was because, okay, I'm going to take on this new job, wear this new hat for a short term. Yeah. I'm going to get it up and going best I can. I'm going to specialize it better than it's ever been done. I'm going to automate it and delegate it out. And then it's no longer on my plate anymore. And I still have these things that I've been able to push for. It's a, it's a yeah. common like negotiation strategy. And I think it's, it's helped a lot. And my challenge to coaches out there listening is look at everything you've got on your plate. And first off, you've got to maximize being great at what you have currently on your plate. You can't start looking elsewhere and, and then it starts distracting you from what is very important. Yeah. And then you've got to look at what other opportunities there are by a problem-based um, setup. You know, you don't have to think for very long to try to come up with a problem for our industry, for our profession, for your job, for your family, friends, coworkers. Problems are everywhere. Yeah. But if you if you look at some of those and start to say, well, what if the reason I'm seeing that problem is because I'm the one equipped to try to get it done. What if I put my back against the wall with that problem as if I'm the one that can do it? Yeah. And sometimes it goes great, 
Sometimes it doesn't, but every single time it's a, it's a regret-free process. No regrets. You dive into it and you learn so much from it. And I just encourage coaches to take that mindset, the back against the wall type approach when those opportunities present themselves. Yeah. And, uh, you said, you know, about like being able to delegate things too, right? I think Mm -hmm. we have to be able to, uh, not be afraid that like maybe this person is going to do this better then I can do it. Yeah. You know that for me, that's been one thing is giving up some stuff to my assistants and maybe, I, I don't know, maybe you think, Oh, if I don't do that still, then, you know, I'm not right. as valuable either. But then at the end of the day, some of the things I've given up, they've absolutely crushed. Right. And I was like, God, why didn't I do that sooner? Right. right? Like this yeah. made me available to do these other things that make me mo- even more valuable. Right. Um, and that's hard to do because it, sometimes, especially, I think, I think my personal opinion is strength coaches, you know, we're a type where we want to be running the show. Oh yeah. <laughs> and there's, there's a lot to be said about that. And you, us, us as, as coaches, we get, we get our pride in the way real quick and we won't admit when there's fear here or there, but that there's so much that gets in our way with that either fear of missing out on something, fear of giving up something, fear of, of someone overshadowing us or, but I mean, if you can overcome that and get past that, just the, the sky's the limit on so many opportunities. And I, I, I struggle with the same thing in different areas. I have to constantly battle it. I, I mentioned this at the start of my talk yesterday that I, I came across a book this year that the whole underlying theme was a con- everything in life is just that battle between pride and humility and that balance that you, if you get too far on one side, pride and, and fear start to take over. And if you get too far on the other side, you, you, you get, can, I mean, there's just, there's a spectrum there to pay attention yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was an interesting concept when you view things that way on how simple that is, but how impactful that can be. When you, you have to look inward at, am I the problem? Right, 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 right. And that's super hard to do. That's, and that's hard to do when we talk about uh, all the time, athletes' strengths and weaknesses, mm-hmm. right? But what about our own strengths and weaknesses or Absolutely. how do we utilize? And there's, and there's plenty of research for coaching, too, about using self-reflection tools and, and some different stuff in the you know, social psychology side of things Absolutely. That, that is available to us. So, yeah, we get it. We probably could do a whole podcast just about that too. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, uh, the development stuff you guys have done, what, what are some of the things maybe that are unique to your program or that you guys have implemented that you utilize for your continuing education with your staff? Besides, you know, I know you guys go to conferences and support each other like that, but right. what else are you doing to help people stay on, on top of the game? Yeah, I think we have a... Obviously, we have a staff, and so we have different levels, different positions. Uh, another thing I was fortunate and excited to share yesterday was our, our mentorship curriculum. So there's an education piece that goes with mentoring, and that's one part of it. That's not everything. It's just education, but it's it's a major part of it. And I think um, I'm excited about being able to share what we do in our all the different modules. I went over uh, over a hundred different modules yesterday in my talk. I wish I had time to do more and I couldn't get too in depth in each one, but you get a chance to lay stuff out 
and again, learn from what other coaches are doing with that. But I think something unique that I haven't seen a lot of other places is the way we lay out our educational modules. And so if, if you look at it, if you're a, a young coach, an intern, paid intern, GA, any of the incoming brand new coaches, your main role is learning these modules. If you're a full-time coach, and, and a returning coach, your main role is to teach these modules. And if you're a veteran coach in our program, which is, to me, you could be a, a young, young coach, but having gone through the same material a couple of times for this specific setting makes you more of a, in a veteran position. Your job is to facelift that material. Your job is to challenge it, to get it to deeper levels. And taking that three-pronged approach where everybody's growing and learning. As, as the person learning it and getting exposed to it for the first time, you're benefiting from all these modules. As the person teaching it, you, you're now realizing how well you know it or don't know it. And you're sharpening yourself up by making sure you're on your toes before you present it and teach it. And then as the person that's maybe a veteran, you're getting on the forefront of what else is out there, learning from other coaches and sharpening your educational curriculum through doing that. And so just using that and applying it to every module we do. And, and again, the, the talk, I broke down how we split our modules up and what, what the purposes are and how we go about doing it. But I think uh, a unique thing within those modules is we don't just stop with strength and conditioning. We go outside those walls too and try to prepare people for, for life in general. Uh, I have a, a somewhat of a business background as well. I think that's a unique thing that I bring to the table with having an MBA, but having finance, excuse me, having a, having a finance background, having a, being able to do budgeting and, and, and talk about the money, the marketing, the management, all the stuff that has to do with business. And, um, <clears throat> Sorry. No worries. So t- talking about all the stuff that have to do with business and and really really being able to dive into the things that are very valuable to coaches in our profession and things that all of us think about in the back of our mind and actually get scared of. Right. How to have a family with, with being a coach that yeah. works this, this many hours. How to have kids. How to be a good spouse. How to buy a home. How to manage debt. Yeah. These scary things that um, I don't know how many programs talk about it. I hope there's a lot of programs out there that do. But we're not afraid to dive into those resources. Yeah. And if I can't teach something or produce something or we can't dive into a material on it, we reach out to the specialists in those areas and try to learn from them too. And I'm fortunate enough to have some pretty good experience and, and education in some of those areas that I can bring to the table. And, you know, and my wife's a doctor of physical therapy, so she brings some unique things to our staff as well that maybe some other staffs may not have the advantage of doing. So we have specializations within our program that we're able to cover areas without crossing out of our scopes you know that's great oh that's great yeah how uh, so how have how have you managed uh you know your family life and your work life because especially when you were a one-man show and trying to grow this program i'm sure you were working all the time and trying to balance this thing out yeah it's it's a, it's a challenge and i i always smile when every coach Hey, you're, if you're a coach, you, you see your challenges and you want to talk about those challenges you have in a way of, well, I have to do this, I have to do that, I have to work this, I have to work that. And I think I, I, I respect every coach out there, but I think we have to be cautious and make sure we look at that as I get to, not I have to. And so uh, dealing with the time management and family and everything else, you first have to get down to the root of things and you can't let it get to you in terms of I have to do this or 
I'm working harder than everybody else out there, or I've got it worse than everybody else out there. And the biggest, the biggest thing that's helped me is avoiding those, um, those upward comparisons, like so-and-so has it so much better than I do and constantly doing downward comparisons and realizing that there's other people out there that are struggling with it and, and it's tough. And then specific to family life, you know, it's, it's so funny having kids. I've got a three-year-old boy and a almost two-year-old boy at the house. And I look at my life right now and everything that's going on. I'm like, what was I doing five years ago before I had kids? It just makes you have to be so much more efficient at things when you have those lives depending on you. It goes back to what we talked about earlier. When you have your back against the wall, it puts you in a different level because there is no other option. Right, right. And that's what marriage has done. That's what uh, kids have done. Yeah. It made it made me put my back against the wall and find another way to do it, yeah. or else it's not going to work. It's going right. to fall apart. Not gonna and it took me getting very close to losing several parts of that already, and how young I am in my career, almost screwing all that up already several times, to finally realize and. and I'm just, I'm very fortunate that I've not been stubborn with that. And, and my wife and my kids, they're great in understanding, but we all work together to try to make it work. If, if I have downtime, it's, it's with them. If I, if I can bring them along and incorporate them with stuff, we do it. And I'm fortunate at the level I'm at, our athletic director understands it and he has a family environment from the top down. Everything is trying to involve family with stuff. And that's a, that's been a huge benefit, a huge help. That's really cool. No, it's a great, great position to be in. Um, so being in that setting, you're in the NAIA setting, do you think that there, I don't want to call it uh, trickle down, but like, is, is it growing more into that uh, arena? You know, it's obviously prevalent in Division One strength right. conditioning, huge. Um, we've talked a little bit about how to reach out maybe more to NAIA schools Mm -hmm. because I think as you've told me like pretty much if you have football you might have a strength coach but aside from that it's not necessarily given right there's there's a lot of good private NAIA schools that have strength and conditioning coaches that don't have football that have started to come up in the past five years which has been great Um, I'd say there's there's probably over a hundred programs at the NAIA level that have have pretty solid strength and conditioning full-time positions. Um, I've tried to advocate it best I can from the dual role I've got with associate AD and head strength and conditioning coach from from the ground up and from the AD meetings that you can go to and then even getting our president on board to try to broadcast that as well. Um, that's been a big help, but I think it's definitely helpful. The, the better it goes at the, at the top level, the better it seems to to be viewed at the lower levels yeah. because they're paying attention to how things are being done at the, at the high levels. But it's a different world. NAI is different than NCAA. The rules and restrictions aren't the same, although NCAA is the fallback. If there's no rule in the NAI, then yeah. the, the fallback is, well, well, we'll just gravitate on whatever the NCAA says about okay. it. But it, in, in, in some lights, it's, it's a benefit. It's, a, it's yeah. a help. So like, you know, I talk to other coaches that are in D3 that have all these rules and restrictions and we don't have anything like that. Gotcha. Um, so it's, it's got its advantages and its benefits, but in the grand scheme of things, D2, D3, NAIA, are, they're all very similar in the type of caliber of athlete you get, yeah. the spectrum of athlete you're dealing with, and the small college setting that uh, maybe doesn't have the same pressure on your job like it does at the Division One setting right. in terms of being tied to the sport coach. If they leave, you leave. Um, that doesn't really exist at those small college settings. And I think what I've seen is you, you get a chance to – 
entrench your roots a little bit more if you find a good enough place where you feel like you can you can make that home. Yeah. And, and my challenge would be to a lot of coaches make it a place where you can make it home. Right. Right. I think that's a that's a great point. Yeah. Because a lot of people would see the. Um, maybe not see an opportunity and be like, oh man, I got to get to the next level, right. the next whatever, right. when, you know what, you might be able to make that job really what you want if right. you invest the time like you've kind of already talked about a little bit. Yeah. Again, it's that back against the wall. Yeah. If, if there's no other option, it takes you to a different place with what you would do with what's in front of you. Yeah. How about profession-wise, what do you what do you see as some of our challenges right now, and um, what you've seen changes or directions we're going, and maybe some things that you're you know you're feeling pretty good about? I mean, I know when I think about it, it seems a lot of people will say, "Well, it's you know it's so competitive, it's oversaturated." I mean, I I guess I'm a glass half full guy too because I'm seeing a lot of the opportunities and growth of programs like you're doing and growth in the high school area right and just you know it becoming more prevalent uh of a profession and i'm seeing i'm seeing the opportunity not the like oh it's so cutthroat you know right i mean i don't i don't go too deep into the history of of our industry that and that's something that i really enjoyed from these podcasts is getting a chance to listen to some other coaches that have been in it for 20 plus years yeah. i mean boyd the episode yeah. with boyd was was great yeah. we got a chance to i had never heard some of the, some parts of that i've heard before but other parts of it uh, i had never heard that that history behind the nsca yeah, cool. uh, didn't even know what the nsca that those that what those letters stood for something different <laughs> yeah. right off the bat didn't didn't realize that little detail but i think as a young coach we're oblivious to some things that have happened in the, the generation right before us in our industry. And we're young enough industry that there hasn't been generation after generation yet. Right. We're, everyone is virtually still alive that started this thing. And uh, I think one thing we have to, to try to do is, uh, like you just said, we've got to stay positive on what's going on. There are so many coaches I've met in just the past year, especially through some of those special interest groups that are taking on the challenge of addressing problems that they see. So your question was, what problems do, do I see in the industry? Um, I, I think the conversation that pops up the most is, well, we, we can't retire as a strength coach, or we can't, um, we, our job is tied to the sport coach success too much, or we, you know, we, we need to have somebody that oversees us better, that understands our job, or, or, the, the certification or should we should we be you know more of the allied health community or should right. we you know have a licensure and all that those are probably the, the hot topics of, of 2017 that I've listened to and, and just sat back and observed and but the cool thing is as those topics come up I'm seeing coaches and professionals jump in and say okay what can we do to start doing this and what can we do to start doing that and the NSCA is is jumping on board there's other organizations that are trying to jump on board and everybody's piecing together and chiseling out and trying some things and as other coaches sit back and watch that I think where the negative flag comes in is we don't see a definite like progress point yet but it's right. it's short term right. it's only been a year two years that yeah. we've been discussing Absolutely. some of these things it takes time and it takes it takes people not saying, well, that's not working, that's not working, that's not working, and, and destroying some of the progress and understanding that it's going to take bodies, it's going to take volunteer work, right. it's going to take people saying yes to things that probably aren't in their job description, probably isn't in their, their line of what they thought they'd be doing, 
But if if you if we really want this to get done, that's where the rubber is going to meet the road, and we just constantly have to keep trying to work together on this and not tear it apart. And I I, I get excited about seeing some coaches that are just diving in and taking that even though behind the scenes there's flack, there's roadblocks. Yeah. But I look at that as a microcosm of the same thing I just went through at Weber. This, I, I, there were so many roadblocks there, but it's funny. I, I get to sit back and see all the Weber strength staff alum. What would have happened if I didn't overcome those roadblocks and would have right. stopped or would have sat back and complained about it, which I did along the way in times, and yeah. I was fortunate enough to have people call me out for it at the time. Yeah. So I try to do that to people when I can too, right, and return yeah. that favor. Absolutely. But what, what would happen if, if some of these other coaches that are involved right now and trying to jump in and, and help move these things, I mean, you, the NSCA, you could sit back and throw stones at people and throw stones at the NSCA or, or, or other organizations, any organization, and complain about it. Yeah. Or you could try to be a part of that help and part of that solution. And, and that's a big challenge. And yeah, that's a call out. And I'll probably have people that want to argue with me after they listen to this. But but look at look at it. Look at the facts of the matter. Like this is our industry. This is us. This is our family. You're going to have fights in your family. You're going to have disagreements in your family. But bottom line, you got to do things to help the family. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I know that uh, one of the reasons coming going coming to work at the NSC headquarters was uh, interesting to me was the opportunity because I didn't feel that we had a lot of great resources as strength and conditioning coaches that the NSCA was providing and I thought that I would have a chance to impact what we did for our members who are strength coaches and I never thought I'd have the chance to impact it to the level that I do that mm-hmm. th- with some of the things we do now you know I mean you don't envision what you're going to be able to do um, but one of the reasons was like well I could just continue to complain about how they don't provide me this or I don't have that or I could apply for this job and try and be part of the yep. change, you know? change. Like absolutely said, uh, it's been amazing the things I think that have just happened in like you said in the last couple of years as far as like resources and the things that uh, the profession is moving forward and it's going to exactly what you said it's going to take uh, a unified approach right. it can't be you know um, you know professional organizations like the NCAA and you know even seeing like Major League Baseball get on board with the requirements that they now require and NBA strength coaches like they want organized unified you know scientifically backed organizations that are gonna be the most reputable and professional to help move it forward so yeah i I, like i said i continue to feel pretty positive about this um yeah and i just one more thing on that I, i would just challenge coaches be critical of stuff definitely be critical of stuff but don't let that criticism take away momentum let it build stuff you know i think um I, I think in, in my life, just in general, that criticism can deflate and can yeah. stop and be a hindrance. Right. And it's a good thing to challenge stuff. It's a good thing to critique stuff. And I think we have to be okay with abrasive conversations. But there's a point it gets to where it's no longer helpful anymore. And it's got to be continuously built upon, I think. Yeah. And I th- you said something before we started rolling, too, about... Um, I'm going to butcher it a little bit, but hopefully you can reiterate it. Um, the way that, you know, we might be communicating to each other but not understanding yeah. exactly what we were 
yeah, that, to say. <laughs> that's yeah, that's that's a big pet peeve of mine that I've done poorly, and that's the reason it's become something that I I, I get so frustrated with is because I've seen where I failed at it so much and had caused problems. I think so many times we get in disagreements or fights or arguments, which if anyone that knows me knows I like a good challenge, a little a, a little argument, a little some jabs here and there. I, I like that kind of stuff, but you know, in a, in a healthy way, I think so many times we'll we'll listen to somebody. And we'll be quick to argue with them without really paying attention to what are they trying to say. Yeah. So I mean, we're, we're not all of us are great communicators, and and sometimes it's based off of your situation. You could be great at one thing and not great at another. And I, I just we were talking before this started that just I think all of us should try our best to look at what they're trying to say, even as you're listening to a presenter at, at a conference. Yeah. What are they trying to say? Maybe they're not a great communicator about getting that point across but what are they trying to say because sometimes when you're arguing with someone you're both saying the same thing you just are communicating it different ways and look at the heart of where they're trying to go do they care are they trying to change in a positive way with what they're saying or are they being destructive with it and if if somebody's heart of the matter is after the right thing just like what what you were maybe where you're coming from then you're just saying it in two different ways, and that's that, that's life, right? Right. You have to be open-minded and willing to listen to other people's, uh, to some degree. You know, you don't always have to agree, right? But to be open-minded enough to listen to them, right? I like that a lot. Um, how do you how do you evaluate your strengths and weaknesses? At, you know, from a coaching perspective, as a looking at yourself when you, you know, when you're thinking about, man, I need to get better at this or that. Like how, how do you do that? Um, I got to briefly share some of this stuff in terms of our staff yesterday. And that was where the, the back half of my presentation and you, you know, as you're speaking, you run out of time at the, the very right, end, right. I got a chance to throw some resources out and talk about it. I would challenge people to have multiple, uh, checks and balance systems when it comes to feedback. You have to have an extreme level of self-awareness to know that you have to assume that you're not doing stuff the best you can do it. It starts with that thought. Again, back to the pride. You have to assume that what you're doing is not good enough. And it's a balance. It's a delicate balance between being satisfied and being complacent. Satisfied with where you're at in terms of I, I, I'm okay. I'm, it's not going to depress me and, and, and get my blood pressure up and make me unhealthy because I haven't made it yet. But battling the complacency of... I'm not going to kick back and be okay with where I'm at just because I'm better than I was yesterday. And so understanding the thought process when just you're trying to look at strengths and weaknesses and evaluate yourself, you have to assume with everything you're doing that it's not good enough and that that it can be better. And you have to be okay with that and not let that condemn you and stress you out. You have to be okay with that as a challenge. And then you set different pieces in play to try to get out of your mindset. We're all going to see things differently. So I'll have staff evaluations. My whole staff evaluates me constantly. Yeah. We'll have full-time versus part-time. Everybody has different levels of ways they'll evaluate me. Um, I do my own self-evaluation, yeah. have my wife give me feedback. Now we don't sit down and do a formal, right? right with my, like my wife, she, that would drive her crazy. She hates her head starts spinning when I start talking about some of this stuff. And that's, you know, a lot of, a lot of relationships like that. It's, it's like, you know, you're a complete opposite with some things. Mm-hmm. But paying attention to what she's trying to say yeah. with some feedback she gives yeah. or where, where do we fight? Where do we argue? Yeah. Where do those moments happen? That's feedback. Yeah. You better pay attention to that. You can't right. just ignore it and think that there's someone else's problem. Yeah. And uh, 
the easy part to me, the easy part is recognizing those things. Right. All you got to do is shift your perspective and be on the lookout for it. And yeah. it's everywhere. Yeah. Feedback's everywhere. The tough part is, are you going to face it? Because it wouldn't be, it'd be perfect already if you were good at it. Right. It'd, be, right. it'd be locked in already yeah. if it was something that you were good at. Yeah, yeah. And so that's the tough part is strategizing and trying to change it, changing habits. And, uh, and that could be intimidating, but that's why you surround yourself with a core group that has that same like-minded approach. Yeah. If I've got, I've got, you know, I think 11 or 12 and I'm on my staff right now and every one of us has completely different. We're all unique, yeah. but every one of us, the whole reason I brought this crew together is yeah. every one of us is hungry and craving growth and impact. Yeah. And when you're around other people doing that, it makes that process a lot better when you're trying to change as a person, but you see 11 other people struggling with it, but also fighting and battling it. Yeah. It makes you inspire a little bit more to, to, to do the same thing. Right. That's cool, man. That's, that's huge. Yeah. And again, those people listening, 11, 11 staff, <laughs> this guy's got. So if you're wondering about how to grow your staff, you got to reach out to him. Um, I've got my kind of fun go-to questions that you've heard some if you've listened to the podcast, but uh, a little atypical. If you could have a dinner or conversation with any three people or up to three people, uh, fictional, living, or dead, who would it be? Oh, man. I wish I could go back and have some more time with uh, my, you know, just family-wise first. My my grandfather I was close to but never got a chance to spend enough time with him. Yeah. You know, you, you're, uh, he's, he was, he was passed by the time I was 10 years old and, yeah. you know, when I'm less than 10, I have no aspirations to learn life lessons. Right, right. I don't care. He was just telling me to stop and play checkers half the time I knew him because <laughs> I was running around too much. Yeah. Love to go back and talk to him, just go and learn back some of the family history and just, uh, it's so cool to see family trends yeah. and habits and things. I would love to go back and learn about more of my roots yeah. uh, what's made me who I am because right. so much of that is generational sometimes yeah. and yeah, it's yeah. it's so cool to go back and learn and see some of that I think that would be uh, unbelievable to go back and, and sit and talk and just get just learn yeah. about your 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 roots your yeah, your family your heritage um you know that that's uh that's a that's a tough one to answer beyond that point yeah. uh, you know i've gotten asked that question on interviews before yeah. and you throw quick answers right, out right, right. Um, i think that i just i got to stick with that one with my family i yeah, think that'd be the coolest thing one. to see that's a good one man um how about if you could eliminate any coaching practice what would you get rid of you think that no coach really ever needs to utilize <laughs> Um, I'd, I'd, I'd have to say not in terms of something physical. We've talked a lot about mindsets and different things. And luckily we've covered so many things I could answer to this. I can just touch on something we haven't talked yeah. about yet. One thing I think this, that's in coaching in general, but anywhere is a, uh, that gets in the way is a, a justified excuse. A justified excuse is something that's a hundred percent true. It is accurate. It, you have every right to say it, to feel strongly about it, but it still can stop you and hinder you from getting to something. And with coaching, specifically strength and conditioning coaching, a justified excuse could be the type of athlete you're dealing with, the finances that you've got, the budget you're dealing with, the equipment, the staff. Those are all great excuses. And no one's going to disagree with you if, if you're in that position. People are going to sympathize with you. But 
it's that's all it is is a justified excuse it takes away from things if it gets beyond that you can point that stuff out and you can wear that as a chip on your shoulder and that's propelled us to different levels but it can't it can't be something that gets in your way and in terms of like dealing with athletes and training athletes a justified excuse so and so doesn't go to the workouts and so they're not getting much better at this that's a that's a good excuse but that's also a, a nice, unique problem. Right. What, what can you do to help? Maybe you're not going to help get his performance better because he's missing. But what can you do now that you've noticed that? Can you get to know that person, get and impact them, inspire them to be better the next time? Or is it just going to be an excuse where you write that person off and say, they're not showing up. It's not my job to do this and do that. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of philosophical points that we can get to with that. But I think just keeping it quick and brief. Don't let justified excuses infiltrate why you do stuff and change who you are, because that can that can happen very quickly because it's justified and it's true. Right. That's a great one, man. That's a great one. I love it. Um, finally, how about if you were in an entirely different career, but same kind of time length, what do you think you'd be doing if you weren't a strength coach? Oh man, that's a fun question. <laughs> I think two things that I'm equally passionate about is on different, way different ends of the spectrum. One is music and one is like farming and gardening. And <laughs> like, like I grew up on a ranch with my dad and there's something about just being out there that just is peaceful and fulfilling. And you really, you know, not really, I guess, crazy important in the yeah. grand scheme of things. Um, but music, I've always had a passion for music. Uh, I love, I love the emotion ties that music can bring and how it can sway and how much impact it can have. Um, just love, love instruments, love different genres. Cool. I would probably do something with music or pursue something with music if I wasn't going to do strength and conditioning. I don't know how good at it I'd be and how quickly that door would close, right. but I'd, I'd love to try it or dabble with it just because it's such a passion. Nice. I love it. Very cool. How about uh, people listening in? They want to reach out to you and get more information, find out about what you guys do, find out about how to come work for you. What, <laughs> what's the best way to reach you? Social media, whatever. Yeah. Any social media, you can, you can search me, connect with me. Um, I'm not the best at connecting on the social media in terms of quick responses. Your best bet is to shoot me an email and get my cell phone number and shoot text from that point on. Um, emails on our, our website, Weber Athletics. Um, but there's, I mean, you can Google search me pretty quick and find anything you want to know about my contact information. I'm pretty open about sharing everything. Cool. But we'll put all yeah, that in the show notes. Too. Yeah. Reach out, reach out on email, get my cell phone number, communicate. And, you know, uh, Dr. Mann's been heavy on this. Every time he talks and shares his contact information, he's like, look, if, if I miss you the first time, don't get offended. Just reach out again. And I, I'd, I'd echo the same thing. I think uh, don't assume that I'm ignoring you if I, don't, right. if I happen to miss you. There's a lot going on, and that's a, that's a terrible excuse. <laughs> but all of us are, are guilty of missing or delaying getting back to somebody. So just keep reaching out. I love, I love uh, connecting with other people and just sharing, sharing stuff. Great. Well, this has been a great episode, man. I appreciate you taking the time and uh, look forward to seeing you at another event soon. Yeah. Thanks again. Thanks for what you're doing. Keep it up. Thanks. This was the NSCA's Coaching Podcast. The National Strength and Conditioning Association was founded in 1978 by strength and conditioning coaches to share information, resources, and help advance the profession. Serving coaches for over 40 years, the NSCA is the trusted source for strength and conditioning professionals. Be sure to join us next time.